Hello and welcome to the Doc Arena podcast in association with Film Ireland. My name is Ross Whitaker, and every fortnight or so, I want to dig deeply into the motivations of documentary filmmakers. How do they choose their subject material and what approaches and strategies do they employ to fund, craft and distribute their work? In this episode, I'm delighted to speak to Derek McGrath and Nassani Kianon about their feature doc, Young Plato, which is currently on release in cinemas across the UK and Ireland. Despite the backdrop, this is an inspiring, uplifting film as it follows the Elvis-loving principal Kevin McAreevy and his colleagues as they use philosophy teachings to try to change the lives of the young boys. Here's a clip from the trailer. Listen to your favorite music and concentrate on the words instead of the reality. Listen, that's everybody's opinion matters. And that's the beauty of philosophy. I want you to close your eyes. Picture your favorite place and go there in your mind to feel good again. Where'd you go? McDonald's. McDonald's. Come <laughs> in. So we had him on the side of the arm. For no reason whatsoever. Um, when my daddy says, um, if anybody's still here, they hit you or tip them back. Philosophy ball. Philosophy ball. What should you do now? Make up, shake hands. You don't know how to play? Then you won't play. Make sure your, your apology to Gerald is good. <laughs> Time to think for yourself. Balance breeds balance. But you boys have the power to stop it. Thanks to you both for joining me. So, Nasa, just to start off with, will you tell me a little bit about what the film is about? Okay, so the film is about a maverick headmaster who introduces philosophy as a core subject for primary school kids from four to 11. And it's a shot observationally over the course of a year and a half. So we follow um, a few key characters and we see how philosophy and critical thinking influence their lives. Declan, can you start by telling me, I suppose, the background to the story, how you came across it and why you wanted to tell this story? I, I came across it because a friend of mine, Colin Doerr, went, went to the school, Holy Cross Boys. Um, I was having a coffee with him one day and he said, yeah, do you know the school I went to? I called up there and uh, there's this fantastic headmaster and he teaches the kids philosophy. Um, I went, oh, grand. He said, no, but you want to go into the class. Like, you'll see there's all these kids from Ardoin and they're all chatting about Aristotle and Socrates and Plato. I went, geez, that sounds good. So uh, um, I went up and had a look. And I I thought, yeah, this is incredible. Like, seeing all these kids, not only are they talking about Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, but they're 
they're just talking about anything with fantastic fluency. Um, and it's a school, you know, that it's not a privileged area. So you don't, you, you, you know, the, the kids have it harder than most to, to see them to be so articulate and fluent was fantastic. Um, and I, I think that 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 was interesting for me. And I kind of chimed with a couple of other things. Like I'm from North Belfast, and for years, I kind of it, it, it's an area that suffers a lot from from suicide, and particularly male suicide, and has done for the last twenty years. Um, and there was a kind of epidemic of it even ten years ago, and it continues. And if there's an epicenter of of that kind of suicide problem, it's our doing. But it, it, it was a problem in an area that where I was rare that I kind of felt, God, I'd like to do something about that or, or, or make a, a contribution. And I don't know, like ourselves in filmmaking, we don't really, I feel sometimes we don't make any contribution. Like the people, like the teachers in Holy Cross Boys, they're, they're people that do something real. And I think that inspired me in that this, this was a way to show what was happening in that area, but to do it in a way that kind of sh- sh- give people hope to show how people can tackle that problem um and if it's another another thing for me in growing up in that area is that i grew up in an area that's just north belfast is a patchwork quilt of little sectarian enclaves um it's the area in the troubles where really the like the most horrible sectarian murders happened and to grow up in, in that district uh or in belfast or in the north in general and, and they've been through the the, the troubles and that goes on since you, you just you want you're you're always thinking is there a way around this is there a way that that people can 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 get out of their own little pockets and tribes and uh, meet or, or maybe not not even meet but just listen to other people um, and be exposed to their views and maybe move on and again up in that school I I seen a guy that uh, that was getting kids to. To not only to be articulate, but actually to go and listen to other people, listen to their views, and and I thought, what what a transformative thing potentially. Uh, that was a film I wanted to make. Then it was that then I wanted to convince Nasset and uh, David Rain to get involved because I could see that they were people that had were making the kind of film that I thought would be the best way to make this film, and then all of that experience was able to come on board the project. And it's it's set in an area of Northern Ireland that has, I suppose, been beset with problems. Famously, about 20 years ago, that particular area had a lot of skirmishes, I suppose, between Catholics and, and Protestants. Is it because of that, I suppose, that, that he has that mentality in terms of what he wants to bring to the school? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our doing is definitely like it's an area that uh, has a lot of social problems uh, because of the troubles and the legacy of the troubles. Um, the parents there, a lot of them suffer from intergen- there's intergenerational trauma. Um, there's a lot of poverty. There's high suicide rates. There's um, high unemployment and there are drugs. So, I mean, it's 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 a really challenging environment for children to grow up in. And yes, absolutely, without question, this is why Kevin introduced philosophy as a core subject to that school, because he can't, I mean, the, the staff there and Kevin, they cannot um, control the environment that their kids go out into or that they live in, but they can help make them as resilient as they possibly can, because, I mean, the choices that they make in their teen years could will influence, you know, the course of their lives and whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so um, 
I think Kevin is, you know, he's completely, he's a con, I mean, he's just passionate about the power of philosophy. And in the film, you see him um, doing a lot around Seneca. Um, and Seneca does a lot of work around emotions. So he teaches the children about recognizing their emotions, controlling their emotions, recognizing their trigger points. And he gets them to do Socratic circles where he talks about um, whether big questions like is is violence ever justified? And he has them discussing issues like that. And this is all sort of, this is all supported with an incredible amount of pastoral care, which all the staff in the in the school also give to not only the children, but also the parents. And themselves. there's also a really nice narrative device in that, in an area that has a lot of kind of, I suppose, confrontational murals. He wants to create a mural of his own. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, I didn't know Ardoin before I went there. I mean, it was really, it was Declan and Declan grew up in Northern Ireland. So he was very familiar with Ardoin. But when I first went there, I was totally shocked by the murals that were still uh, on every gable end of, of the housing, uh, of the houses there. And, you know, it really, it really impressed on me what, you know, what does, what does this narrative that's been reflected back to these kids every day. What does that do to them? I mean, they pass by these murals on their way to school all the time. They, this is, you know, this is all over their community. And these, these, these murals that are, that are, um, you know, celebrating, you know, the nationalist um, narrative, you know, celebrating the idea that children, well, children like 16, 17 year olds died for the cause all of that is just it's very you know it's a it's it, it's a heavy story to uh have to pass by every day it, it feels to me though that it, it, it's becoming harder and harder i suppose maybe to pitch projects about the troubles or that part of northern ireland and people kind of want to maybe mentally move on was that something that you were concerned about or, or that you were worried about in, in trying to take this project forward yeah but i mean to be in a funny way ross i i would feel the same I mean, I, I would roll my eyes and go, oh my God, something else about the Troubles, because I, I, I've, you have seen it and, and you live it and you still live it. Uh, but in terms of a reaction to people, I, I think it, it's because like the, the thing that that is great about this story is there's this guy and he's making a difference and it, it's a story of hope and it's a story about philosophy. And funny, even when we were pitching it internationally, there was the background of the Troubles and this is a post-conflict area and that's very important. But and I think we, we were quite surprised, actually, that people were so uh, kind of, they lit up with the idea that kids were being taught philosophy. Because you kind of had this impression maybe this was happening in a lot more places internationally. But in from French, funders and commissioners were going like, yeah, philosophy, yeah, we do it, but we only do it in secondary school. And all the other countries were kind of just amazed with that alone. So that, that that was something separate, even from before they get bogged down and, oh, my God, like another story from, from Belfast or uh, from the Troubles. Um, so you would get that f- funny. I mean, it, it's even more local thing, because you can imagine here in Belfast, the BBC didn't want to emphasize that uh, in because th- 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 there was a separate shorter cut for the BBC and for RT and for all the broadcasters throughout Europe um, you know maybe knowing that their audience would be and I'd say that, and, and the southern audience and any audience in Ireland would go oh my god not 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 that again 
but it isn't that again that's part of it but it's just it's a message of hope and uh resilience and and, and how you can come out of, of problems so there's two of you that are directors of this film nasa obviously has done films like this in the past and and shot observationally from what i understand your background is is very much more editing is that correct to say yeah, editing and uh, the films that have made and directed were are much more kind of planned or whatever, uh, and, and structured in a way. Yeah. So how, how did you how did you guys work together then, coming from those two backgrounds? I guess we worked as uh, we were in. Well, just I, I was able to draw upon NASA's experience because she thought like she is fantastic at this kind of observational filmmaking um, stuff. So uh, and so NASA goes in. She's a camera person, so she's got the camera. I've got the the boom, so I'm doing sound. You and you have to be very small. That that's kind of a very small crew, because the whole nature of this is that you you'd have to disappear. So all those beautiful moments are virtue of the fact that you've you spent so much time in the school, um, and you've disappeared from view. Um, so that was good, and it it, it it was good for me to be able to for to 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 hear NASA talk about you know this will happen at this stage. We're going to have to be here for so long. The uh, don't worry, we're we're going to have to uh, cast a very wide net, the nest nest or sorry net to get the you know and at the start, and then we'll find out whatever characters we might be able to follow. Um, and and from then on, it was just that that we stayed in there and we. And I suppose for me, the thing was I had to kind of let go to that approach because it isn't very much, you, you know, you're not sh- you're not in there for one day and you're going to get your, you've got to get your four minutes of footage. And the reason you've got to get your four minutes of footage, as you well know, is because you've got a, a huge amount, amount of money has been spent on the, on the crew that you have there. Um, but the other side, you've got to kind of relax and let and kind of go with the flow. And, and then start to structure and you start to see the structure and the characters that will appear as, as you go through the process, you know, and, and begin to maybe be more focused as the filming goes on. What I loved about it was was that kind of that feeling of, of this man who's taking a new approach. But also it was, I suppose, in a lot of ways, even what happened with the Holy Cross Girls School, it's twenty years ago. It feels like all of this is in the past, but it absolutely isn't. It's it's those murals are still there facing those children on their way to school. Um, those problems, as you say, are intergenerational. It's it's a story absolutely that needs to be told, and and I suppose one that we need to be reminded of. You know, these things are not in the past; they're actually in the in the present as well. And that was something that was really interesting from an observational point of view. You're telling something that's happening in the classroom and so on. But to a certain extent, I was thinking when I was watching it, it's like you can only scratch the surface when you're within the school walls or even in in the environs. And, and what you did then was you found ways to bring the past into it. And I was kind of interested in you as a filmmaker when you're approaching that. Was that a question that you had? How do we make sure that people understand the context of what he's doing and why he's doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. We, we knew that we were making this for an international audience and that was, that was something that we were on the lookout all the time because we didn't want to have to, you know, I mean, we sold this to nine different territories before we, we, we made the film, television territories before we made the film. And I, like, we didn't want, I didn't want to have signposts all over the film. So we needed to find ways to, to um, tell the story and so I mean that all came from a lot of hanging around and we knew that 
um, one of the the vice principal there had done a lot of history classes with the students. So we we kind of put it out there like, well, you know, if there is a history class about this or this, we would definitely be very interested in um, in filming those. And then it was our editor, uh, Philippe Bravo, who uh, I had never worked be- with before. He was a Belgian editor. And because we had Belgian money, we ended up working with him. And it was just so brilliant you know working with him and he was the one who came up with that idea of uh in in those interludes in between scenes where we would mix our doing now with our doing in in the not too uh distant past just so that we could we could show the fragility of of you know what was going on in our doing i mean those kids who were running up and down the streets late at night were not so long ago out there an earlier version of them you know throwing stones at all the humvees going around and and, um so i think that was that was um that worked really really well in the storytelling in the end i mean it's a break from observational filmmaking but it really what it what it brought to the to the storytelling was something really strong yeah and i suppose you also avoid interviews which which immediately take you out of that a kind of observational world it, it keeps it in a more yeah. kind of cinematic space I, I suppose yeah to get that kind of observational film you really need access and you really need um the consent of of everyone involved and and that's one of the most striking things about the film is is that you're there in in all I suppose the most challenging moments of the kid's life, which is when they can benefit from his attitude towards um, his, you know, how to teach them about how to deal with their feelings. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you got that consent and, and how you maintain um, that openness, I suppose, throughout the process? They, I think in the beginning we were really lucky because Kevin was up for it. You know, he really he 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 got he got it, and we also had like I had school life, so I had something to show that to say like, look, this is how we're going to do it. This is what observational filming is, um, and you know, we're I, like we were able to say, look, you know, with the kids, we will only we'll cast the net very wide. We don't know what children we're going to work with, but but we'll cast the net very wide and we will only use positive story arcs in the final film. I mean, that was really, really important. So so Kevin and the board came on pretty much straight away. Then we had to, you know, present it to the parents. And so I made school life available to everybody. We talked about why we were coming to our dorm and we did it in a big assembly. And we we gave um, our phone numbers to, um, you know, at the end of everything, if anyone wanted to ask questions privately that they could that they could contact us. But, you know, honestly, I think because Kevin and Holy Cross, the staff of Holy Cross were held in such high esteem, it was pretty much a shoe in. We didn't get much resistance. There was a few there was a handful of kids who, whose parents they didn't want them in the film. And that was fine. You can cope with that if you're told that in the very beginning of, of, of filming, if you know who to avoid. There were certain children in there that were wards of the court, you know, that we had to avoid. So once we knew all that, then we were it was pretty much open door everywhere. Now, we did. We, we also had to negotiate with some of the teachers. Not all the teachers were on board, but that's fine, too, because, you know, you only really need access to a couple of classrooms. Um, and uh, and that was it. And then after that, it was just the dialogue of keeping keeping things open making sure that people 
knew if there was an issue, if they had a problem, to come to us straight away. And and that was, you know, and that did happen a couple of times. There was two kids. One was the kid of a drug dealer. Kevin had had to make them shake hands or something after they had some fight. Immediately the parents on the phone going, I don't want my child being seen with, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, that was fine. So we knew like so so it was it was just keeping the dialogue going and keeping it open and making ourselves as available as possible to everybody. We had a room in the school, um, which so we would spend three days a week there. Um and um and just you know, just just being around and chatting to people when you weren't filming, so you could really feel, you know, if there was if there was anything brewing, if there was anything stirring. And I think for the teachers and all that, I think they really appreciated that they didn't have to become a part of it if they didn't want to. And that was, you know, that was made very clear from the get go. So really, it was pretty. We were very lucky. It, it it went very, very smoothly. It's really interesting. It all sounds very familiar from observational projects I've done. And it always seems to be the most important thing is to get everything out in the open at the very, very beginning so that people know not only what um, they can expect from you, but also what you expect from them. It's a kind of contract, isn't it? That, that And also that for them, if something does go wrong, I often found in the past, it's it's when it kind of festers with people that the the, um, the the consent or the access sort of starts falling apart. So making sure that they come to you straight away, it, it's it's also important, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that they feel they can come to you with with their stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, because the last the last thing you want is just rumors spreading, and then yeah, it escalates, and yeah, then it's all over, really. Yeah, again, yeah. especially when you only have a limited amount of time. And so then you know you mentioned school life, and that was the, the film that you done previously did very very well also in a school um and i was just wondering what you kind of learned from the first film that you could bring to the second film because so often when you're making films you learn so much doing a project but you then never get to make that kind of project again (laughs) you know so there's only so much you can bring forward with it yeah no i know that's 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 so true i mean definitely um we shot a lot less for uh, young Plato than we did for school life. Um, I think we had a very clear narrative going in, you know, anything that fed into pastoral care or the philosophy, that's what we were interested in. Um, I, I think it also helped that uh, it, it, halfway through the first academic year that um, we had lockdown. And um, I used that time to rewrite the treatment and base it on the the scenes that I knew that we had got, uh, you know, up until that point. And that was a very, very useful exercise. It was also like for a funding application for a Flanders Film Fund. But it was a really, it was a really, really good exercise to do because it really focused you then yourself on, 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 on you know, how, which direction you were going and what, what were the elements that you would need to finish the story. Because really, like we, we, we really kind of fa- started finding our characters in the January, February, March, and then it was all over, you know. Um, and then the other thing that um, was that, that I learned that was really, really good was to bring an editor in to, before you finished filming. So um, we went back in the September after lockdown and we filmed intensively up until Christmas and then focused on pickups and stuff like that. And we were waiting for the mural to be painted um, in like January, February, March, but they were just kind of slow pickups. But having Philippe, the editor, assembling our material 
and then sending it to us while we were filming from September to, to December was really fantastic as well because we were seeing like, you know, oh yeah, we did get that or oh no, we didn't get that, you know, so you kind of, you knew, you, you, you knew it just navigated you and um and uh and thankfully like we were all on the same page as to you know what assemblies we felt were really working and what weren't so you know the three of us were just all of the same vision so so that was all really um helpful <laughs> so um so yeah so and and i think those were the things that um like I certainly learned is, is, is that it really benefits you to be a lot more focused um, and, 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 you know, to really stay on top of what it is you've shot and, and, uh, and the direction you're going in. Can I ask you a little bit about then, you know, taking, you've done a lot of projects now that have, have been in the international market, I suppose. Can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned earlier in this conversation that there were several funders involved for people, I guess, who haven't been through that process how do you go about that? How do you um, kind of figure out what markets this might be suitable for and, and where do you take it to? What, what have been your best experiences in terms of finding those funders for your film? Pitching forms, I think, are well worth it. You know, I, in the early days, I really didn't get a pitching form. I didn't really kind of understand it. And even even if you don't get, if you don't get, um, you know, somebody to commit money there and then at a pitching form, what it does is it raises the profile of the project and people, so the next pitching forum you go to, people are like, oh yeah, I've heard about that project. Oh, I heard about Young Pleasure, blah, blah, blah. So you're kind of creating, um, you know, a buzz about a project that's in development. So I I mean, that would be my my advice is is pitching forums. And we pitched, um, we pitched this in Edinburgh. We pitched this at IDFA. We pitched it uh, at the Celtic Film Festival. You know, like we 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 did a lot of pitching, and um, and that kind of stood to us. Now, having said that, this this was an easy pitch. This is the easiest pitch I've ever had. Like you know, philosophy and working class boys in Ardoin marry them. I mean, everybody gets that straight away. They understand immediately what it's going to be. So, um, so it it pitched easier than other projects have pitched, you know? Um, and, um, and we were just really lucky by the time we got to IFTA. Um, uh, yeah, we, we got, we got Belgium, we got France, we got, um, uh, Northern Ireland and, and well, obviously we had Northern Ireland and, uh, and RTE. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know we had to we 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 got RTE in as well but um uh and then just other people came in with as as pre for as pre-buys because they had had seen and had heard the pitches yeah and we had a trailer we had a good trailer as well and were you able to bring forward i suppose relationships from past films do you find that that helps that you know you've you've worked with those people before like school life did help there's no question about it school life paved the way the fact uh, most of them had heard about it and you know they knew and okay so that means this is another observational film so you know they can trust that you know we will find a story or whatever in it or that we'll stick with it till we find the story so i mean that definitely helped uh relationships other relationships um no they were like belgium was new um arte uh france was new i mean that that became yeah that was um well rt have a 
have a relationship with or a co-production agreement with with Arte but like we found the we 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 got Arte on board ourselves from pitching and then put you know push them down the the co-pro because that was the fastest route um to for them to make a decision um I think with school life we got like to the last you know the last um step of the ladder with Arte and then we didn't get it at Strasbourg they you know we just we didn't get them but um the co-pro thing made that easier but yeah it's a it's a it's a combination but I I would to say to anybody pitch 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 so the film is finished it's going down really really well it's fantastic to see so I was kind of curious about how the local community have received it It'd be very interesting to know how they feel about how they've been depicted because regardless of how positive a film is I'm sure that's always a difficult moment when you have to show it to them yeah no it was and it was last Thursday and yeah they they loved it um really and I think it's for that reason um Ross it's a positive story coming out of Ardoin you know it's probably the first positive story that that has come out of there the kids they loved it now the school like Jamarie and myself, like we talked a lot about, you know, preparing the kids beforehand, you know, that they that they would um, that they would know what to expect in the film and that they were okay about that and that there was no shock. So Jamarie like worked with every individual child and said, What do you think is in the film? And then they'd talk about it and and are you okay about that? And you know, and and all of that and see where you've come to and, and all of that. So so they were like little rock stars at the time we uh you know they they saw the film in 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 in, in, we had a private screening for them in in a cinema and um and they loved it and they were just really excited and their parents were really proud of them and um it was all really 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 lovely actually um and there was one teacher in it who didn't want to be filmed and we have this she's in it a little tiny little piece where she's from the back you see her from the back and you hear her voice and she came up to me and she said I'm so glad I'm in it (laughs) now I can tell everybody you know that I work in that school too I think there was just a lot of pride for the school and what they do Thanks again to NASA and Derek for taking part in the interview. Young Plato is currently available in cinemas across the UK and Ireland. Thanks to Stephen Galvin and Film Ireland for supporting the podcast and to film composer Michael Fleming for kindly allowing me to steal his music. You can find more of it at michaelflemingmusic.com and thanks to you for listening.